few weeks, actually about uh, the last five weeks, we have looked at some lessons concerning different topics. If you remember, we began looking at the thought of demanding purity in which we live, our world in which we live. Then we looked at the two paths that each and every person is on. You're only on one, one or the other, uh, a path to heaven or a path to hell. Then we looked at why people are on those paths, if you remember, of heart trouble. Uh, it's what's made up of our spiritual heart is uh, what helps us to be a part and continue to be faithful and assemble and, and those types of things. Then we looked at the Lord's church and the early church in Acts chapter 2 in the book of Acts of being one heart and one soul and being in unity in those things. Then last week we looked at how to avoid drifting away, how, avo how to avoid from not being as spiritually on fire as one might be or even forsaking completely the assembly of the saints together, uh, and, and remembering and looking at those things, it brings us to the topic in which we have today. And the topic being, restore such a one. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, and it is read just a moment ago, 1 through 5, again it says, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault or any trespass or sin, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now the other Scripture in that same passage that was read is good advice for us. We bear each other's burdens. We try to help each other, help to restore one another. We're concerned about each other. That is what a family is about. We are concerned about each other. This morning, if you are a member of this family, in, in one sense, uh, the Lord's church and his body, we're concerned here at McCoinsville, our leadership, myself as the minister, and other members that make up this body of Christ here, of the body of Christ, we're concerned about your soul. We want, I want, every person in this room this morning to go to heaven. That's what I want for you. Number one, why do I want that? It's because that's what God wants for you. God does not want any one person to perish. He does not want any person, no matter how bad they have been, no matter what they're struggling with, He does not want one person to miss heaven. And that's why we, we have the Word of God and we have the blood of Christ that we can be baptized for the remission of our sins. And, and that's, that's just only the first little bitty part of it. The rest of it is, is live faithful. Make him your master and do all things for him. 
The Apostle Paul writes there in the book of Galatians. And as he writes, this verse reveals a frightening reality. It indicates that any disciple, any Christian person, a follower of Christ, can get caught up in sin. Christians can fall away. We as Christians can give give way uh, away to the devil. We can give way to to sin entering into our life and becoming discouraged and becoming uh, less faithful and involved in things that we should not be involved in, young and old. And we see this constantly happening throughout the New Testament. We see this constantly happening in the Lord's church today. And here out of the book of Galatians, the Christians in Galatia were warned about this. And when you go back to Galatians 5 and verse 4, it says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. And if you want to read it another way, one version says, you are severed from Christ. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you are what? Fallen from grace. Christians can fall. The Galatian people were experiencing this in the church. And we are experiencing it in the body of Christ today throughout the brotherhood and even right here at McCoinsville. If you remember, Simon was guilty of allowing wickedness to corrupt his heart. If you go back to the book of Acts, In chapter 8, and recall this situation uh, with me. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 8, starting in verse 18, the Bible says this to us. And when Simon saw that through laying on the hands or on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. This is a man who had believed and had become a Christian. And notice what what he goes on, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he might receive the Holy Ghost. But notice what Peter said. Verse 20, Thy money perish perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, Peter told him, therefore of thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart might be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness. Notice how he describes the sin that Simon's in, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of God, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now notice the, that whole situation. 
Notice how he describes what sin, that he, he, he had drifted away. He was on another path. He was in the way of wickedness. He was in the way of the devil. And Peter went to him. <clears throat> now go, with, go back with me to the book of Galatians. But not in chapter 6. I want you to go to the book of Galatians. And in chapter 2. And in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11, the Bible says this to us, and it gives us this recount of that Peter, if you remember, was guilty of hypocrisy. And not only was he guilty of hypocrisy and being a hypocrite, he was guilty of causing division in the Lord's church. Now notice with me in verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him. Now notice Paul's writing. I withstood him to the the face because he was to be blamed or he stood condemned. Well, why? Why was Peter being condemned? He was a, even though he he denied Christ, he he was an apostle. He, He worked hard. But even those people can fall away. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. He was associating with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likeness with him, inasmuch that Barabbas, the one that was in encouragement, that one that was known for, for encouraging and doing great works for the Lord was taken away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, now notice what Paul, he says, when I noticed, we all have a responsibility this morning to notice our brothers and our sisters when they're not walking uprightly. He said, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do as the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You see, he was all about being what he needed to be to the Gentiles when there weren't no Jews around. When the Jews came around, he said, Oh, I don't know you. You see, he was playing both sides, but he had fallen away. This morning, notice, what are we to do when we see a brother caught up in sin? When we see a brother or sister that's drifting away, Maybe a brother or sister that's getting caught up in, in some addiction. Or maybe some way of the world. Maybe someone in pornography or someone in their drinking or someone in their assembling with the saints. And we could go on and on down the list. You see, Paul says we're to make an effort to restore that brother. But sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes leaderships 
elders and members and things, they develop this attitude. Well, that's their problem. That's really none of my business. We'll just take and mark them off the roll and we'll move on. You see, that's not the right attitude. Sometimes members develop that. This morning, I've seen it too much in the Lord's church. Peter, as we just read about, he didn't promote unity. He did not, he was off. He had, he had drifted away. And Paul went to him face to face. And again, I've seen it too much uh, in the Lord's church. How many times have we seen people leave and go back in, out of the Lord's church into more immorality and, and immoral relationships of the world? We've seen it way too much. So the first point there, it's our duty. It's the responsibility of the spiritual person. Notice what, what it said there in Galatians 6 and verse 1. It says, ye which are what? Spiritual. You know who that is? That's us. That's us in the Lord's church here at McCoinsville. That's we members, those who are spiritual, those of us who, who are faithful and, and those of us who are committed to God 100%. It's our responsibility to restore such a one. When people are not living, just as Paul seen Peter, he, he says, when I seen them not walking uprightly in the gospel, in the way that a Christian should, he says, I went to him. But you know, that spiritual person just doesn't include our elders. Sometimes we think that. And it don't just include your preacher. It doesn't just include seasoned disciples, as I just described. If you look, every Christian is to be spiritual. Go with me to the book of 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, You also, as, live, as lively or living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Every one of us, are called to be spiritual. You look at Galatians chapter 5 in verses 16 through 25. Notice what Paul writes in the prior chapter, the previous chapter of what we're looking at. But he goes on <clears throat> there in, in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those who are spiritual, those who are, are committed, he says, walk, he says that to everyone, he says, walk in the Spirit and you won't have, you'll be able to overcome those things. That lust of the flesh. For the, the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary that one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. They don't go together. Being a spiritual person and being a worldly person does not go together. Just like oil and water. But if you're led, notice what he says. If you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, he shows us there. He shows us a whole list of sins. And then he mentions the fruit of the Spirit. And this is previous on, uh, that's coming to this next part in Galatians 6 and verse 1. You see, would you agree that this applies to every one of us this morning? Most certainly. If you agree to that, you cannot, you cannot disagree with the Galatians 6 and verse 1. If you agree that every, every one of us are spiritual people, and that we're called to be. And when Paul writes in Galatians 6 and verse 1, you spiritual, go and restore those who are off in sin. You can't disagree with Galatians 6 and 1. You see, Christians are to be accountable to one another. We are to be accountable to each other. And when we notice one another in sin, God doesn't want us to sit back and, and just do nothing. Instead, he wants us to help one another get back on track before it's too late. Do you hear what I said? Before it's too late. Because there's coming a day that it's going to be too late. And we Christians and we that are spiritual are going to stand before our God and we just might be asked, why didn't you go to that brother or to that sister and try some way to bring them back? This is serious business. It is our duty... You see, being part, this is what people miss. Being part of a church family is much more than just the, the social part. It's so much more than, 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 than it's good for my family or it's good for my kids or it's good for me just to be among good people. It's being part of a church family is way much more. It's more than just having your name on the roll or just showing up. It carries with it responsibility but also it carries accountability. And we have to be accountable to one another. 
You see, we have the right. Hear what I'm saying? We have the right to be in each other's business because we are Christians and we are a family and we are accountable. If one of your children were straying away, would you not go to that child? Yes, you would. You would try every way in the world to keep that child from going down that path that they're headed on. You see, that's what we got to have in the church, across the brotherhood, right here at McCoinsville. When it comes, I'm not saying being everybody's business about their financials and about everything else. I'm talking about when it comes to sin. It's everybody's business. Point number two. We must do this in the spirit of gentleness. Notice what he says. If any man be overtaken in a fault or sin, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. It's our responsibility. But how do you restore that one? In a spirit of meekness or gentleness. We got to do it the right way. Sometimes people think church discipline is just quick and swift. Sometimes you have to do that. But I'm going to tell you, church discipline is done, and it's a long process if it's done right. But it has to be done. Just as Paul confronted Peter, just as they confronted Simon, this doesn't mean that we need to be mean or we need to throw them under a bus or run their face in the mud or, or, or those things. That's not what I'm saying. But it doesn't mean that we brush sin aside either and be passive. I think we've become way too passive in the Lord's church when it comes to sin. All will stand up if someone stands here and speaks untruth and not doctrinal and things in the Lord's church. We're all about calling folks out on that. And we should be. But a lot of times when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are not faithful, who have left the church, hadn't been darkened the doors of the church in, in years, Sometimes we want to be way too passive. And we have to guard against that. It means, the scripture, what it's telling us, it means that we are to examine our motives. And examine in Paul's writing, he says, examine your motives carefully. And the motive for restoring such a one, doing this must always be, be to help someone turn from error and sin of their ways. When you go to the book of James, in James chapter 5, the Bible says to us in verse 19, Brethren, notice what it says, Brethren, if any of you 
people who make up the Lord's church, the body of Christ. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide the multitude of sins. You see, the goal must always to be speak, to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. You see, when our motives are pure and righteous, we will always do it in a spirit of gentleness. Again, it's not to bury someone in the, in the dirt. We have to be disciplined in those things. And this is not easy. It's not easy for an eldership to confront an individual or a whole family when they're just not living up to the truth. It's not easy. It's not easy for a Christian to go to a brother or a sister and say, hey, I'm concerned about you. But it's all about the approach. You see, a lot of times that person being approached, or a lot of times how people approach other people, is we don't give, we don't give thought to how we talk to each other. Now, it's coming from the home. Our children are allowed a lot of times to be disrespectful to their parents. A lot of times it's, yeah, what? You know, a lot of times I think in our children and our homes, we need to teach those manners of at least saying something. And to me, that's just derogatory, especially when you say it that way, towards the respect of a parent. But maybe we could respond as, yes, Mom. Yes, Dad. Very few times do you hear young people today say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Please. Very few times. And that generation has grown up. If you don't believe me, just get on social media. Any social media. I don't care which one. Just choose one. People do not care how they talk to one another. Don't care. And it's across the board. It's all across our world. It's all across our county. It's all across our homes. Very hurtful things are said. When you go to 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says to us that we're to be bond servants. A servant says that we must not be quarrelsome. Not always looking for a fight. And a lot of people have that in the Lord's church. Not to have that spirit. 
We need that spirit of gentleness and humility. As we talked in class this morning, we don't always have to have the last word. A soft answer turns away wrath. And as I said just a moment ago, it's not easy. Your feelings are going to be hurt. Because there's some days in your workplace, there's some days in this church, you're going to go home and you're going to hurt. Because we allowed Satan to get in our hearts and to get in our mouths, especially when we go and try to restore such a one. Number three and last, we're to be careful. Galatians 6 and 1 now look what it says at the very end of that, of that, that uh, chapter there in Galatians 6 and verse 1. The Bible says to us that we are to be careful when we attempt these things. And he gives us a great warning here. When he says to us, considering thyself, think about yourself in this situation, Lest thou also be tempted. As I studied this passage and looking at that last part, I found that there was three different ways that some of the scholars and different ones were looking at it. And some suggest what that means is we don't sin When we go to someone, we don't commit a sin when we go to them. We go in the right way. Secondly, the other studies showed we too are tempted to sin. And that we need to remember that one day the shoe just might be on the other foot. We might be the one who needs someone to come to us? And we need to remember that when we go to restore such one. But thirdly, and this is where I kind of lean, I say kind of, it's where I kind of, I know. Be careful that we don't get sucked into a brother's sin. I've seen preachers begin marriage counseling with a struggling mate of the female sex and in her weakness and loneliness end up in adultery. We have to guard against that. I've seen others get sucked into to other ways of addiction because of a brother or a sister or a way of life, or, 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 or not being faithful. You see, we need to make sure that we carefully examine our motives before attempting to restore a brother, and we need to make sure we're approaching that brother or sister in the right reason. And we need to remember how, that, again, how we would want them to approach us one day. Don't get caught up in that brother's sin. This morning, 
right here at McCoynesville. Do you know someone who needs to be restored? Think about it. Is there someone in your family, your friend, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your children? I don't know who it is. Maybe it's just a lifelong friend. Let me challenge you this morning. You have the responsibility to go to that person. We have people in this congregation who are, are not as on fire as they used to be. They're failing. They're drifting. Have you went to that person? Have you talked to that person? Have you encouraged that person? Say, hey, we need, we need you here. We have the responsibility. And if we don't accept the responsibility, one day we will be responsible for that error. There are people today who need us. What are you being, what are you doing about it? There are precious souls who need to be restored. I don't care what they've done, how long they've been out. <laughs> 